Okay, well, I'm pleased to be joined by Ruth Anderson, who is the Director of Player Wellbeing at the ATP. Thanks for joining us on ATP Podcast. Oh, it's great to talk to you today. Yeah. Um, so I'm very excited. I just ran into you. Can you just give us a little bit of your background and how you got involved in tennis? Because it's just been recently since you joined the ATP. Yes, that's right. I joined the ATP in November of last year to establish um, services for all ATP players um, to enhance mental health and develop psychological ability so players can thrive on and off the court. Um, My background is I'm a sports psychologist. I've worked in elite sport internationally in Australia and the UK as well. I've worked quite extensively with tennis players in my role um, as a sports psychologist with Tennis Australia and with professional players. Um, And then prior to that, I worked quite extensively across Olympic sports as the head of the psychology services for the Australian Olympic team for two Olympic Games. And then I've worked with the Australian cycling team and also the British cycling team um, across two Olympic Games as well. Yeah, that, that's a lot. So how, how many years has it been since you've invo- been involved with sports in general? Would uh, you probably say? around 16, 17 years in the um, elite sport area. My my prior history was as um, I worked in clinical settings in a psychiatric a hospital oh. and with um, welfare services and then I transitioned into elite sport um, with a role at the Australian Institute of Sport where I set up the first counselling service for uh, the 300 athletes that lived on site at that facility wow. in Canberra. That's yeah. a lot. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I've had quite quite an extensive history yeah. in, in the elite performance area. So you, you've had a lot of experience, and I think there's been a lot of curiosity. Obviously, there's more awareness about, yeah. around mental health now. In your experience, having been in the industry for decades, have you noticed a shift or a change, or do you feel like there's always been that underlying thing that need to, needed to be explored? I think, I mean, it's definitely talked about more, but actually the services have been available for players across all of that Mm -hmm. time. And I think uh, people have done really great work um, in both psychology services and mental health services to normalise it. I mean, mental health affects one in four people in the general population. We all experience mental health. One in four is the statistics across most countries that. that in their lifetime they'll experience a mental health disorder. Experiencing mental health symptoms is an everyday experience for all of us, so it's a common experience. So athletes aren't immune to that um, and certainly need to manage that. Um, And then on top of that, of course, there's the increasing recognition around your psychological ability being just as important as your physical, technical and tactical ability to work on. So athletes have been doing that for a long period of time, um, just in varying ways. But I think at the moment there's increasing recognition around it being a specialist area and something that people have to work on over time. There's no quick fix and, um, you know, there's no instant solution to be able to change how you think and how you experience emotion. And so it's really important that players learn what works for them individually um, and then commit to working on the strategies over time so they hold up under pressure. Right. I I understand it's a very individual thing to approach whoever you're working with each client is is separate is that do you feel like as a whole group wise there's a difference how you approach someone who's a non-athlete compared to someone who who is an athlete um i think the overall 
the overall task is the same, uh, but how you apply the strategies and what you introduce to a player to enhance their psychological mm. ability is different because the environment that they're functioning and performing in is quite a unique environment, particularly in tennis, because it's a lifestyle as well as mm. you know the need to perform on the court on the day during a match. Um, and the process generally is around really exploring with an individual, whether they're athlete or not, um, their own self-awareness of how what their psychological functioning is and how that might shift or change when you're under pressure or stress. Mm-hmm. So understanding what you're thinking, how you experience emotion, um, what your behaviour might be telling you, because that gives you a good sign too of how you might be coping or managing the environment. And then equipping individuals with a range of psychological strategies that will help to enhance the areas that are specific to the individual and also specific to what they're wanting to achieve um, for athletes on the court. Oh, you said way too much there. <laughs> I kind of want to pick that apart a little yeah. bit. Um, first of all, how do you feel like tennis is so different from other sports? I think for tennis... It, it's, it's a long game in that you have to perform, obviously, on the day and find your optimal psychological state in the moment to be able to, um, you know, uh, make the right decisions in the moments that matter under pressure and to be able to execute skills under that pressure. But then you've got to back it up, obviously, from match to match through a tournament and then tournament to tournament throughout the whole year. And so it's quite relentless. And unless you've got good strategies to be able to manage both on the court and also your psychological state off the court so that you can sustain your performance across the whole year um, but also just manage your general mental health and well-being off the court Mm. so um, I do a lot of work on psychological recovery um, both how to recover uh, deal with a match switch off and sleep in between matches and then also obviously then tournament to tournament and how you may maintain perspective throughout that time because tennis is a sport you might lose every week or two weeks but still actually be improving and so it's really important to balance perspective with what your emotional state is or your response to those losses yeah I think talking about on court the stress in particular because that's something that I feel like that's where a lot of players can excel is they're able to handle that stress so well in certain situations I mean, I know it's very individual, but there are there certain go-to protocols that you would say this is works really well to help calm that person. Or I mean, I understand it's very individual, but any certain strategies you are your go-to. Yes, so certainly on the court, being able to uh, recognise what the early warning signs are of when you either might be like not when you're not in the right state for you to be able to perform or when you're noticing particularly around performance anxiety the warning signs that are quite individual or unique to the individual when they're starting to increase because it's much easier to be able to reset or regulate your psychological state earlier than if it builds up over time you can still do it or not so definitely it's really important for players to have a really heightened awareness of what those early warning signs are and, and it's no different ha- for everybody right? different for everyone what some would people, be some of the so examples? some people will it will be their thought processes they'll be overthinking they'll be too internal in their thought um, they'll start thinking too far ahead um, oh, 
obviously, you know, the scoreline or the potential consequences of the scoreline and all those thoughts really just come in automatically, but overthinking is probably the most common. Um, and then some experience a heightened physiological state. So muscle tension, muscle tension, particularly in the legs, um, uh, difficulty breathing because your heart rate increases when you're under stress, or some will experience a mixture of both. So how you have a quick reset so that you, you can quickly change when you need to in between points or prior to an important point. And then you can use other opportunities on the court to be able to be proactive in directing your focus and attention and regulating that emotional state. The, the, the real key is, though, is particularly around performance anxiety when you're under stress, is around accepting it because it's very well researched that a level of anxiety really facilitates performance but it's really uncomfortable to tolerate and we all assume that any sort of negative thought or difficult emotion is bad because it it feels yes I've been there yes Yes. It's hard to get to that acceptance level. That's right. And the more that you can perform while anxious um, and execute well under that stress, over time you develop a tolerance so that you can start to go into situations of higher and higher pressure and still feel anxious but feel in control of that state and be able to execute your skills when it matters. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a little specific. Yeah. So I'll give you like a scenario. So if what you're saying right now, if you get anxious yeah. and the player becomes aware of everything that's happening yeah. and the outcome doesn't go the way, which yeah. can create more anxiety, yes. yeah. that recovery was important that you're talking about. Yeah. How do you go from there to get that particular person in a good state for the next time? For the next match? Yeah, or, yeah. or for the next yeah time that maybe that anxiety comes up again. Yeah, so... You know, those those sorts of experiences actually become your greatest competitive advantage because you don't actually know how you're going to respond to pressure till it happens to you. And like you said, sometimes it won't work out. Even if you go in well prepared, if it's your first time, you might not be able to execute. But actually, you can really use the learnings. You, you, so what you want to do is make sure that because it's uncomfortable or difficult, sometimes players avoid thinking about it um, or feel like it's negative to be thinking about it and be stoic. You know, oh, it'll be right. I'll push through. I can do it. Um, But actually, it doesn't resolve the issue. You've got to take some action on it. So what you want to do is really use that experience, break it down, really understand what happened to your thought process. What were you thinking? How were you responding in the moment? What sort of physiological effect did it have on you? Because that directly informs how you manage it leading Mm -hmm. in. And so you set up – there's probably – probably two levels you set up some proactive strategies so when you're going on court your mindset and your focus and attention is directed like why what do you mean by uh, so you're proactive meaning that you've got strategies when you go on court that your mind's focused on execution Mm -hmm. Uh, you've got a nice clear mind um, so that you can get in a nice instinctive state to be able to make good decisions and just automatically execute your skills without your psychological processes interfering with that Um, and so you direct it in the right way and then your learning from those difficult experiences gives you the information to know what to watch out Mm. for so if you notice your mind start to race or your thoughts start drift off to drift off or your heart rate's increasing they're just like cues that tell you I need to reset and I need to take a minute in between points um, to be able to reset my state so just like you would physically it's the same psychologically and then have a quick strategy to be able to deal with your thoughts and reset your mind back on focus or execution which is 
different for mm. every player. Um, and then using some very quick practical strategies like abdominal breathing. I was going to ask you about breathing. Yeah. That it, it's talked about a lot, but actually not executed well. Um, so you have to so, do it in the yeah. right way where you're doing the abdominal breathing. Okay. Uh, because what you're doing there when you're pushing your belly out is you're expanding your lungs and your heart rates, that, that's what has the direct impact on lowering your heart rate. And then like for your mind, if you're focused only on your breathing, it's stopping the overthinking mm. and it's redirecting your focus in the current moment and on task. And then your mind will be clear, ready to give yourself the next execution. But what can happen with breathing in general is it becomes just a bit um, automatised. People go do a few quick breaths. They're still thinking about what's going on and it doesn't have any impact. But breathing is a really good way to just regulate the nerves. You never, it's never going to relax you mm. so much on court because there's the, the good pressure created by the environment. But it is a really great way to regain control of your physiological state and have like an acute impact, an impact that's immediate. Um, but it's also a really powerful way to be able to clear your mind as well. So abdominal breathing, would there be a certain tempo too? Because I've read a lot about yep. counting to five seconds or six seconds, whatever, and then counting down. Yeah. Nose, maybe breathing through the nose rather than the mouth. Do you, are yeah. there certain protocols the, yeah, you recommend? There's, well, there's very different protocols for different individuals. So I probably would say if someone's doing something and it is reducing their heart rate, clearing their mind to keep with what works for them okay. individually. But generally it's a count of three... Um, people can do it longer but you want to make sure it's at least a count per second so it's nice and rhythmic and slow and then you can choose to hold the breath for one or two counts but it really depends on how activated you are because if you've just gone through a really long point and your heart rate's sky high you're just aiming to be able to Mm. regulate it you don't want to hold your breath and actually start feeling like you're going to pass yeah out. so it's really about yeah count per second um and you can hold it um and then uh breathing out again and then the specific technique around that's really individual mm. but your key goal is to make sure it's reducing your heart rate um and so you've got to do the abdominal breathing not the shallow breathing or chest breathing and um, the other key thing is you always want to make sure your mind's focused on the breathing because that's what redirects your mind from overthinking thinking too far ahead or being too internal you don't want to be thinking about what you're thinking about too much because then that <laughs> creates about more thinking anxiety about what you're thinking about <laughs> yeah and so what happens is when we get anxious oh no I'm really anxious oh no I'm feeling really tight so your mind's internal and then you're not thinking or processing what you need to do on the court so yeah how you actually manage your thoughts while you breathe actually has very powerful impact yeah. a lot of people um, kind of miss that point when yeah doing the breathing. I'm so excited I feel like I'm getting a session right now this is great. <laughs> oh, <good. laughs> I love it. Um, how much also it brought up some other thoughts how much do you incorporate because obviously there's a lot of players that I've spoken to that have done meditation yoga yeah. even journaling yeah um, I'm sure you're, I'm sure it's probably what is best for them, but is that something you encourage or that you would actually say, no, you try this, this is something that would be good for you? Uh, yes, depending on the individual. Yeah. So there's, there's a, I think, a bit of misnomer that um, strategies like mindfulness just work for everyone um, or 
that's all you need to do is do some mindful exercises and it changes psychological state. Um, mindfulness is a very small part of an overall therapeutic approach that doesn't work for everyone and if someone's uh, much more of an overthinker it'll be much more challenging for them to do. Yeah so it really is about like you said having a range of strategies whether that's um, journaling, writing it down, I do like performance plans that simplify all the strategies so it's easier to be consistent and automatise when you go on court so your psychological functioning and strategies just integrate with what you're doing from a physical technical tactical point of view it's no good if uh, a player's I've got to do these five different things and it preoccupies them away from obviously their key objective Um, so it's about really the more aware a player is you can really enhance the strategies that work best for them Um, you just need to make sure that it targets where your vulnerabilities are and so mindfulness meditation exercise really work for a a group of people um, or for those that don't physical relaxation really helps you can do a really great physical relaxation that helps prompt sleep um that, what, what would that be like progressive muscle relaxation oh progressive muscle relaxation yeah, what a, is that is that kind of like a not really a massage but it's like a you can do it uh, just for 10 minutes and it's a um relaxation exercise where you work through the muscle groups in mm-hmm. your body where you tense and relax your muscles because is that through your mind or is it actual physical object you do hitting physical, your muscle yep oh, okay yep. so physical and you're focused on the physical relaxation okay because that targets the cumulative physiological symptoms of stress that just build up over okay. time um, and we hold that tension and that's been well researched to say it helps facilitate sleep onset um, in the absence of having to take sleeping tablets it's the best alternative to that and then you don't get the half-life that you might get with mm. some sleeping tablets so there's a lot of strategies around kind of working out where I guess where the player can really enhance and maximise their functioning and then targeting strategies for that. But I think the message is it's really important it's individualised. Yeah. There's a lot promising quick fix, 10 quick steps. Look, I'd love it if there was that, but it's not yeah, that easy. I know. And if it was, we'd all be functioning far better <laughs> than we are, basically. Um, but there really is a range of strategies and the real competitive advantage comes from players when they really know what works for them and they've tried it and really ultimately the more you can learn how to manage your thinking that really underlies all of the psychological factors that will enhance your ability to be able to play and also thrive off the court because you'll manage performance anxiety so much better you'll keep your performances in perspective and recover better because you've debriefed well Um, really helps reinforce confidence when you know how to think about just you know developing your own ability to execute your skills so um, yeah there's some key areas that take a a while to master for sure but have the most powerful impact across your whole psychological functioning and if you just work on strategies on the court you're probably not maximizing what you can do Um, I'm a very strong um, I have a very strong emphasis on making sure that you manage your psychological functioning off the court because that really builds the foundation yeah I I, well I particularly think that's huge because sometimes I see some instances where someone's mind is just 24 7 all about yes. tennis yeah and I always felt like that balance is huge is that is that yeah. somewhere you would start first if you Definitely. have someone new coming in you start with the off court yeah and and start with their overall psychological functioning because it's really creating this really strong foundation mm-hmm. and then there's a 
a greater likelihood that your on-court strategies will work more consistently. So if you can't, if you're having difficulties managing your anxiety off the court, which it's very common for people just to have a heightened level of anxiety as just part of their functioning. It's probably the most common experience for people in general. Um, and so if you're not managing that well off the court, you can't expect to go on court, be under pressure, and then all of a sudden be able to switch and concentrate on the right things on court. Or if you're going on court in a heightened state of anxiety, well, the performance anxiety is going to escalate probably to a point that you're going to feel it's out of control. So I think it's I think the... The, the stronger foundation you can add off the court will have the biggest impact ultimately and then the on-court strategies just really enhance your ability to be able to optimise your performance. Mm. So I, when you say work on off-court, are you just asking them to open up a little bit more about their anxiety off-court or are you encouraging other activities to get the mind away or is it a combination? Combination of both. So learning how to manage your thoughts in general and what okay. are some of the key principles for thought control. Then looking at if people have a, a vulnerability to high levels of anxiety or mood or issues or other things to make sure they've got strategies for that. And then definitely some strategies around lifestyle management with tennis. So making sure you're I do a lot on psychological recovery in terms of switching off, um, engaging in other activities, enjoying the lifestyle of tennis away from just the on-court issues. Um, so they feel, I like how you said that, enjoy the lifestyle yeah, of tennis. Yeah, because, I mean, there's great opportunity with it, but it does become a real grind. And unless you engage with the lifestyle and have some strategies for your life to be able to feel like it's continuing on in this sort of unusual kind of way, um, rather than feel like there's certain aspects of your life on hold while you're doing tennis Mm -hmm. I think you know it's a balance at times and and you've got to prioritize different things at different times but I think the more you can do that it has a powerful impact on your identity Um, knowing that a loss you know you can put it in context with your overall functioning your overall performances over the year and then your life Mm -hmm. as well Um, and so yeah work on strategies around just creating kind of uh, a a lifestyle that really facilitates your ability to perform and that might be in your university course you're doing or um, just enjoying time with your family on the tour and having these amazing experiences or um, yeah finding opportunities to feel like they're performing well Mm. whether it's in tennis or or elsewhere. Um, How much do you address social media? Because, I, yes. I mean, from my experience, I have a, a niece. I don't yeah. have kids, but I have a niece that obviously looks at social media nonstop. And it, yeah. it, I see the impact yeah. depending on what kind of messages are coming in. Is that something that you feel like is is had a real impact, whether positive or negative? Yeah. But I, I think it can be both, obviously. But how much do you focus on that? I agree. Uh, I, think, I think one of the difficulties is... There was definitely a huge focus on it in the early days of social media because we're all heightened to it. Now it's become so integrated into our lives. I think actually people forget that there still could be impact with it. There's a lot of obviously attention paid around the negative aspect of it with the uh, like players reading and buying into the comments. And a, a lot of players have good strategies for how to be able to deal with them. Um, uh, like, what would, uh, can you like, say some of the strategies? Yeah, like um, I'm curious. Just... Some smart ones the players have come up with themselves around shutting off the comments before they play. So okay. they might leave the comments on for some time because it facilitates what they want to do on social media, but cutting off the comments the day before they play. Um, I've had some athletes actually just take the app off their phone for the period of time of the tournament and if they need to upload things, obviously for career 
um, and profile. They have someone else do it for them. Um, others, other players are able to have the discipline with it. But I think one thing that's really important and often missed is it's a, it's a, it's a big issue for your focus of attention. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking at social media prior to performing, then it's really taking you to a very broad kind of expansive level of uh, concentration and even though you might be might not be negative comments or things you can deal with it's actually not the right state to be focused in or players will go straight to it after performance um, or get on a, a other forms of media where actually you want to process your performance first deal with it and then by the time you're ready to switch off then you can deal with it so there's a whole range of issues around the negative aspect with the obviously the terrible bullying and and abusive commentary that players have to deal with um, and how that negatively interacts with their confidence and um, I mean just it's threatening Um, but also around you actually have to be strategic with how you manage these things if you want to perform optimally more consistently Mm. and it's not about not doing it um, it's about what works best for you to manage it and how disciplined you are with it because some people are more disciplined than right. others so you have to do more practical things yeah. like take the app off the phone for two yeah. days. Others can have it there and not check yeah. so it just depends but it's very hard to not do that yeah. it's on your phone. No, that's excellent. No, I think that's excellent advice. Um, I know you know you mentioned you were in cycling bef- before as well for a while and yeah. now in tennis. What When you got this opportunity to be involved with the ATP, what excited you most like as far as... Um, how you approach tennis and also the challenges you might have faced yeah. you might face yeah probably two two main reasons um i'd worked with tennis quite extensively and i really like working with tennis players i've worked with athletes across all sports fairly much now in my career team sports and individual um because of the nature of the sport the demands of the sports and how individualized the sport is uh the tennis players that are actually wanting to work on their mindset generally are really assertive and proactive and so they don't just come in and talk they'll go and implement the strategy Mm -hmm. so you can clearly see outcomes and growth there's a temptation for players to kind of want to just come in and have a strategy but then it's hit and miss with how you execute or athletes in general but tennis players um, are far more disciplined and individually motivated to be able to do that so um, it's much more interesting and and rewarding work Um, and then the second reason I really liked the job was I was really excited by the opportunity to be able to establish a whole range of services for players um, from scratch and create you know I'm hoping like a world's best sort of uh, model that's evidence-based where players can really access the right information and so we'll be developing a range of resources as well for players um, and like what services. kind of resources so, besides um, that yeah information like- on various types of mental health some tools for um, some general sort of uh, management of some of these psychological factors I've mentioned around sort of general information around psychological recovery sleep yeah. those types okay. of things so that we can really promote a proactive approach to developing your ability and creating resilience um, and the ATP are very motivated and extremely supportive in um, really making this a priority area for players and so I really trusted in that and, and knew I'd have the opportunity um, to hopefully be able to create some services that will have some impact. Yeah you mentioned one thing that is interesting you said it's a very individual sport which is true, yeah. but yet they do have yes. these teams around yeah. them. How much 
does that get involved? Yeah. Obviously, I think that would be important because yeah, we talk right. about the support cre- uh, team so much. Yeah, so how right. much do you incorporate their team into it? Um, I let the player guide that. Yeah. But like you said, I mean, generally players always want that integration. Um, and so I'll always do um, what works often most effectively is to do some individual sessions with the player, then do joint sessions. So then whoever in the support team, whether it's the coach or trainer or, or everyone else, there can be some real continuity with what's integrated Mm. Um, there's ways for me to be able to introduce a psychological strategy that integrates with what a player would already be doing it's not about often doing things completely differently and obviously it's going to be far more effective for a player if it's integrated really well and consistent with the messaging of the coach and the player so um, yes what I do is just negotiate that with the athlete at the beginning um, and then we can definitely do it as joint generally all the handouts or information or strategies that would always be Mm. collaborative um, because they're with their team all the time and so you want to enhance the functioning of the team overall by enhancing the player's ability Um, services are completely confidential so a player can choose to come in um, and have a confidential consultation Um, but generally when it is proactive it's much better to be integrating the whole team Um, and the ATP don't have um, I'm the only one that accesses information on who's accessed the services so we can a player can see me um, in complete confidence and then they give me permission on in terms of who who they Mm. want to integrate but certainly it works far best if it's a whole approach with the team I think it's absolutely fantastic I wish I could have a session oh, great. <laughs> well, feel free you know where my office is I want to sign up um yeah no that's been th- you've been so nice with your time is there anything that you feel like I didn't touch on that you feel like would be an important factor to, to mention just as far as the whole overall well-being uh no I don't think so I just probably encourage players um or coaches members of the sport team if they've got questions or just want to find out like just come in and have a conversation they don't have to come in for a a full consultation it will be um, developing resources over the next few months and I'll be attending um, sort of the the larger tournaments where there's a greater number of players that we can potentially work with and I'm coming in from qualification on so we can um, hopefully target uh, the amount of players but yeah no, I think you've given a, a great overview of of some of the areas that players can work on that it doesn't have to be a problem to come in it can be around well you know what what do I want to work on next and how do I optimize my psychological functioning yeah well we're, we're lucky to have you so thank, thank you. you so much and and best of luck I hope it works out well but hopefully we can talk again and, and get an update that would further be down the road thank you Ruth thank appreciate you for it having me.